Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels from the Santa Monica Studios. We're into February, a lot of tennis going on across the world, all different surfaces. We got clay, we got indoor hard. And uh, joining me now, a longtime broadcaster, played the game at a high level himself, a professional in every sense of the word. And the last time he was on this podcast, we kind of went viral. <laughs> I had all these servers in my mentions on Twitter, but Mark Petchy's back. It's great to be back. <laughs> Thanks for having me back yeah. on, Mitch. Let's see what we can do today. Yeah, it was, you know, what? and I didn't think, you know, the funniest part is, and just to kind of add context to it, it was that Nick Kyrgios <laughs> has a top 10 serve of all time in isolation, which was a very measured take. And we got people involved, Andy Roddick, Kim Kleister, there's so many people in there, but... The best part for me was I agreed completely with what you said, but I wasn't on the clip, so I could just be like, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you on a clip today, yeah. but you're going to have to stand up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and the only thing I could think about just kind of, you know, I know you're active on social media, and, and another thing I agree with you was the wild card take I thought was pretty measured and accurate. It's, yeah. you know, it's unfortunate that some players don't get the breaks and don't get the benefit, but, you know, Riley Opelka told me once, like, no one really ever deserves a wild card, and it is a business, and guys like Andy Murray are draws and it's understandable. It's a, it's a hundred percent a commercial decision. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for people that start losing their minds over the fact that Andy gets a wild card, just don't understand <laughs> at the end of the day, what it's all about, you know, at, at grand slam level, it's more about federations giving chances to their players. But uh, if you're, if you're in Dubai or if you're Acapulco, you want to, you want to give a wild card to someone that's going to sell tickets. You're trying to make money at the yeah. end of the day. And that's a guy that's going to put bums on seats. 2018 when he was trying to chase number one Federer just announced last minute I'm playing Rotterdam and he got a wild card and it sold out within like minutes exactly there you <laughs> so. go you just you just made the argument for me <laughs> yeah it's I mean it's it is what it is um, yeah you know I'm talking to you now I mean you you're grinding non-stop you were in Australia we just talked about it before we started AO you were working almost every day uh what was that experience like and I know kind of being back in the mix of like being at the event, first of all, and then having the full crowd and just the long days, early mornings in some cases. Listen, it started strong. We had the United Cup, a great new event. You know, it's going to go from strength to strength. It needs a few tweaks. I think everyone's understanding that it's going to need to change a little bit to uh, to fully grasp the fans. But going from there, obviously, to Adelaide, one of my favorite tournaments. It's mm -hmm. like one of those kind of throwback tournaments mm -hmm. to the old days when tennis was awesome um, yeah. in, in, in terms of the, the smallness of it and the intimate nature. And then AO this year, of course, with all the fans back, was uh, it was a joy to be there. The Tennis Australia do the most unbelievable job in creating what I believe now is the best Grand Slam. And I know there's going to be three three federations yeah. out there that don't agree with me, but I think it's the best slam. Would you say from the experience, like is it the, the crowd support and the fact that if you're going to 
watch it as a fan, it's the best place to go. Exactly. And you don't have to, you know, you go for the tennis, but obviously yeah. it's all the other stuff, the entertainment, yeah. you know, the bands, the, 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 the food. The, it's just got everything for, for somebody. Yeah. It's when you go to a big sporting occasion. I just went to Twickenham in the UK yeah. for the rugby between Scotland. Don't ask me the yeah. result. That was shocking. <laughs> but, yeah. but when you go there, it's, it's not just about the game. And that's what Tennis Australia have done so well. Well, hey, a British guy saying that. I mean, I don't know how, <laughs> how Wimbledon's going to take it. But, no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I uh, have to ask about the Murray match. I yes. heard you on the call. I woke up on the West Coast. Didn't realize tennis could still be played at that hour, <laughs> but it was. You were calling it. Uh, the match itself, Murray out there fighting Kakanakis, the, the fan support, you know, how the atmosphere was. But what was it like from your perspective to be calling this match at dawn? Listen, Andy, for me, is the best. Uh, he's been the best ever at killing dead air as well. So even at 5 a.m. in the morning, he is just magnificent to watch. You know, there's a lot of dead time in tennis. But Andy, with everything that he's done, has been, for me, the person that can carry a tennis match no matter what's going on. Um the, the tennis itself, I, I feel bad for Thanasi. He was the better player for pretty much three sets, but Andy found a way to be his usual self to get himself back into the match. And then from then on there, the fans were incredible. The ones that were there were incredible. <laughs> yeah. it, felt, it felt full even at 5 a.m. in yeah. the morning. It was incredible. You have those moments, I'm sure, as a broadcaster where you can kind of tell things are happening or that's a huge point. The overhead point is what I'm getting at. Yeah. But that felt like a moment in time where, oh, this could change everything, and it did. It did change everything. There was a couple of point, There was a couple of games before that where Thanasi missed mm -hmm. a couple of shots that he hadn't been missing that mm -hmm. you were like, ooh, I wonder mm -hmm. whether he's starting to feel the pressure of beating Andy. Mm -hmm. um, but that point is obviously iconic, and it was yeah. it was the point of the tournament for, for absolutely everyone. And I have to be honest, Mitch, you know, at, at my age now, I don't pull too many all-nighters there may have been yeah. one or two in my 20s yeah. but i pulled on all that i yeah. was happy to pull it too well the last question is did you get a bathroom break in a murray didn't get one? <laughs> no did no no one? we don't get bathroom okay. breaks no code code commander they have it easy they the have, analysts oh, okay. the analysts can pop out for as long as they want but you know the guys there we have to we have to stay the, the hey, duration i'll pull the curtain back a little bit here because we've called a lot of tennis you're not wrong when you say that i've seen some bathroom breaks some you know right up into the point gets played again bathroom breaks but i won't name names uh, <laughs> but that was exciting uh, to see, and Australia was just a great time. And we, we've recapped all the single success. I, I do want to mention something else as tennis purists. What's happening in the women's doubles game is like one of the iconic teams maybe ever is starting yeah. to go on a run. And not enough people are talking about Krejcikova and Siniakova. Five out of the last six Grand Slams, the one that they didn't win was a COVID positive before. Yeah. So just remarkable stuff. Now they're at the, I think, six for total majors. It's uh, insane. And the Olympic gold. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, year-end champs. I mean, they've done it all. I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's so rare what they are doing. And as you said, I think it is a little bit under the radar and we need to be, uh, we need to be shouting it from the rooftops that to be able to be that consistent in a form of the sport, which arguably at times you need to be even more accurate to land it perfectly. And they're doing it every single time that they play. Every surface, every event, every big event, you know, seven now, I correct myself, seven doubles majors. One's 26. I think uh, Krejcikova is 27. So they've still got a lot of tennis left to play. and But it's been crazy, and, and I'm really impressed with just, what they're doing. Can I just stop you one yeah. second? And I think the crazy thing about the run as well is, uh, as well is that they have some pretty – 
pretty quiet times in matches as well. They can lose a set, and mm -hmm. it looks as though, wow, this is not their day today. They're not mm -hmm. going to be able to pull this round. And the amount of times, you know, in the US Open final that you suddenly see something yeah. happen, and then suddenly the magic elixir, and then they turn a match around that they look certain to lose. You get a lot of players on the other side saying, ah, oh, we had it. We were Well, I yeah. mean, everyone's saying them, that. Right? Yeah, everyone's <laughs> saying that. They're figuring it out. And not to get too into the weeds on doubles, but I do think, and, and you could speak to this, something about complementing styles and finding that match. It's it's hard. I mean, there's no right way to find out who your best partner could be, but when you have it and when you do find it, it's something special. Yeah, you don't want to let it go, and, and yeah. you're absolutely right. I think, uh, you know, Sinyakova, when she's losing it on her serve and she loses a mm -hmm. bit of the rhythm on that, she's worked hard on the motion, to be fair. You know, she's she's got Barbora there that can calm her down and can mm -hmm. kind of find something. So as you say, like the, the moments when they're quiet out there, they, they figure out something between themselves uh, to be able to turn it around. Before we get into the stuff this week going on in the tennis calendar, I do want to just take a take a step back yep. and, and shout out some people. Number one being Alicia Parks getting her first title and, and doing it the hard way. I mean, when you go into you know native country beating not just a person from there, but a top five person from there, she beats Caroline Garcia in the final caps run up to 51 in the world and her time is quickly approaching. That was a signature win. It was, and I think also the maturity of the win. She didn't want her team too close to the court. She wanted them <laughs> away from the court yeah. so she could focus on what was going on. And, and 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 no greater sign of that than in the middle of that match, second set, where she's break point downs and the French crowd are getting on her <laughs> with a second serve um, and, and cheering between first and second. And she just bullets a second serve ace <laughs> down. And you just look at that and you go, that's too impressive. You know, you know that that person is going to be heading higher in the rankings. Yeah, and and only just beginning her tennis journey. There were some impressive wins in there. She'd shown a little bit of it at the end of last year. That's, yeah. that's a crazy thing about momentum, right? I mean, everyone wants to talk about the fall season and what's there really to play for post-US Open. Well, that's what you play for, right? To get the good habits there and then take it into the next season. Listen, that, that preseason <laughs> goes a lot quicker when you've had wins going into it than when yeah. you've had losses because yeah. when you go into it, you're thinking about what, what might happen. Whereas when you go into it off the back of the wins that Alicia had, you think, well, it's just going to keep rolling as soon as I get out of bed on New Year's Day. Do you, do you think Caroline Garcia, there's going to be some of this added pressure? Not necessarily this result losing at home, but coming off of that just astounding second half of the season she had last year, not the only player that has this on both tours, but has a lot to back up after such a great campaign. I mean, I think there may be, you know, mm -hmm. but at the other other stages, of course, she had already been in the top 10 before. Mm -hmm. So she just had a lot of years in the wilderness before getting yeah. back there. I think she's going to be, honestly, Mitch, better equipped to deal with mm -hmm. it this time around. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. We'll see what goes on in the women's game. Uh, Mark Petchy here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Uh, we look at what's going on currently with the women. We'll start there. Abu Dhabi right now. Uh, some interesting matches over there. I don't know if you caught any of the Beatrice Head and Maya Putin <laughs> save a match. Yeah, but that was, hey, I mean, all over the place. <laughs> all over the place. Uh, should have lost, should have won, should have lost, definitely should have won. <laughs> Point penalty, definitely going to lose. Match over, yeah. That was, I mean... <laughs> So, yeah, the point penalty was on, on the heels of you already got the violation with the rackets match for, for, for context. Putin Seva has always had quite a temper. Yeah. yeah, I guess for Beatrice, you're looking at her, and I've been high on her for the last yeah. year. Uh, she's looked great and how she's played, but 
you just you got through survive in advance right you figured out a way to beat a tricky opponent when you didn't have your best day and that that is the key ultimately to having a great year you can have a you can have one or two great weeks in the course of a season by playing absolutely your best tennis but if you want to obviously have a consistent year yeah. you've got to beat those kind of players on a day where you're not feeling it and she did and, and credit to her that was a great mental effort was there anything more predictable than fireworks and Ostapenko Collins in round one? Because <laughs> that, I mean, just fits. I mean, both of them, DC, very intense. Uh, you know, we, we love her here, especially. Ostapenko has kind of embraced that she's a character. I, I love both of them yeah. equally. Yeah. I, I, I think we need more Daniel mm -hmm. Collins. We need more Yelena Ostapenkos. And I, and I think we should, we should honestly, as tennis fans and people that love this sport, we should could really sort of embrace their personalities rather than trying to at times say, well, why don't you tone it down? This is what you want. You want people yeah. that want to die out there because <laughs> this is their dream. They want to take home that trophy. Yeah. And you see both of them wearing their hearts on their sleeve. And I love it. I just want better. I want the Australian Open on court mics because I couldn't yeah. hear everything. Well, there. exactly. Well, yeah. I've been saying that for ages. <laughs> why Why is tennis, why do we not hear anything? We're all guessing, you know, uh -huh. we're sitting there, somebody got in it. What's going on here? I mean, we want more content. We want to get yeah. closer to the players. Those are the moments, those granular, gritty moments that you want to hear about. So Asapenko won that match, lost to Quinn Winzang, who's on the rise especially. And looking at the quarterfinals of this tournament as we record this starting tomorrow, it's Shelby Rogers, Belinda Bencic. You have Kazakina versus Quinwing, Rybakina, Hedad Maya, and Kuter Matova, Samsonova. And the first thing that jumps out to me is, I mean, I feel like women's tennis, men's tennis too, but the size is getting bigger. Like the top players, we saw it in the women's final. You kind of get that sense, Mark, that like the game and the, the players are getting a little bigger. I mean, you got to have power yeah. out there. I mean, you know, Kasekina is kind of the throwback at the uh -huh. moment with the way that she plays, but it's really tough uh -huh. for her to be able to play that way and be as consistent. I mean, she is ultra skillful. Yeah. I just think, you know, Kudamato, I love watching her play. I think she's going to be somebody that's going to have an incredible season. Bit of pressure too much at Australia. She went out early, yeah. uh, but I think she felt as though she was due another big run at a big tournament, and mm -hmm. it didn't quite happen for her. Samsonova had a yep. tremendous second half of the season on hard courts yep. especially and uh of course i mean with Ravakina, that run at australia no shame in how she lost left it all out there and yeah it's like anything you don't really win in a loss but she kind of proved that it wasn't anything fluky about wimbledon and you know where she goes from here is going to be huge because she's got opportunities to keep improving her ranking Ribakino is is not just a serve. You know, we get seduced by one shot a lot of the time with yeah. the players, um, particularly early on in their career. We come to embrace their entire repertoire of shots yeah. as their career goes on. But with Elena, she is way more than a serve. Mm -hmm. Her movement for somebody of her her height, um, her ability to strike the forehand and backhand on the run is immense. Yeah, it's like her movement too, and it's I don't want to say it's like unconventional. It doesn't look like she's moving that fast out there. Maybe it's the long legs long strides but she gets where she needs to be and that, and that that's yeah. the goal ultimately yeah. you want to you want to move efficiently on a yeah. tennis court and that's the one thing she does a lot of the times when you see someone that's that tall they use little steps she mm -hmm. she <laughs> uses pretty big steps and she gets there on balance i i love the way she hits the ball off the ground we're gonna have a champion in this event that's gonna be you know a, a season starter for them we'll see how it carries on uh this is the time in the calendar where ega took yeah. off last year so i mean just we'll see what happens there the men's side, there's a couple different ways to attack this, but the first thing I got to bring up is the kid, Arthur Fees, and yeah. what he's been doing. 2004 birth year to make us all feel pretty old, but France has been waiting for that next guy, and I know it's early, but two top 50 wins, one top 25 win in straights over RBA. 
Arthur Fee's at home at least looking like the real deal. Yeah, and also you can look at it both ways. Playing well at home, everyone can say, well, that's you know that's easy. You know why don't? But there's obviously a reverse pressure there as well playing at home. Um, so I think Arthur's performances this week have just really mm-hmm. shown that you know he's he is the real deal. I mean, let's not heap on the whole. He's going to be the next Yannick Noah. Right. He's going to break the drought for. Uh, that's what Frenchman. we do though. We just I add expectations. What, we wanna, what yeah. we're going to do, yeah. but I, yeah. I I like what I see. I think he's he's got an awesome game. You you don't beat players like RBA without being a, a complete tennis right. player. And so that's that's key. There's some flair there, which yeah. obviously we like to see personality and that sort of thing. But yeah, you don't, you know, he, he won in straight sets. He kind of outgrinded him for a lot of that match. And what I look at, you talk about that reverse pressure, you're exactly right. He got broken his first two service games. We've seen it. We saw it with Felix in Canada last yep. year. Early breaks and early struggles, and that could be it. But he just rebounded and I noticed too, and and maybe this is rare, maybe it's not. He was coming to net pretty confidently in his two wins. Yeah, he he. Uh, as I say, I yeah. mean, you don't. You, I don't think at seven. He's seventeen, right? I am. Uh, I think he's eight. No, he's, he's eighteen. A, he's, he's eighteen. 18 okay, yeah, yeah. but I think. You can't beat players like RBA without coming to the net, you know, at that age. I, I feel yeah. as though you're not going to beat him consistently mm-hmm. all the time from the back of the court. Mm-hmm. You know, Roberto's just not going to give yeah. you enough. So you've got to find ways to turn points around in your yeah. advantage. And I think that that's, what was, that's what's been so impressive from him. Wimbledon doubles junior champion uh, now becomes the youngest man, even younger than Carlos now, to make a quarterfinal at the ATP level. So we'll see his progress, but it's another face, another character, and maybe another reminder that, you know, if you're a current top player, the young guys are coming. Yeah. You know, they're not going to stop. This tournament's got some firepower in it. What it doesn't have anymore is the defending champion, uh, Andre Bublik, man. Well, he went viral, so there's that with... I don't know if you've ever had that many racket smashes in your life or seen no, it. No, I've but. broken. I broke one individually, one every time. Like if it yeah. if it got to me, I would never. I would always stop at one. Partly because I never had that many That's rackets to break. Yeah. So yeah. like, I probably would have gone three to five or six or done a Baghdadis, but I, I didn't have enough rackets. Soft umpire too, right? Didn't didn't really say anything until the third racket. Like that was the line. That, three rackets. I, I like those three. Listen yeah. again. You go back to what what do we want from tennis? Yeah. What do, yeah. I, and and listen, I'm sitting here today, mm-hmm. today and if there parents and kids listen i'm not advocating that you as a kid who are, who maybe aren't buying your rackets or if yeah. you'll get given it you should go out there and break it you you know there's a time and a place for, for stuff mm. like this but what i'm not gonna give public a hard time about is showing how much you know passion he has and how disappointed he it's was been lacking at a time so maybe this could be a good thing that it, he's actually showing yeah something. i'm not saying it's yeah. always the most positive way mm-hmm. to show it and it's not something that you want to sort of like obviously condone uh, you know it's not commendable in lots of ways but i like to see the mm. fact that he cared about losing because some people yeah. always throw the accusation against um public that he doesn't care well, he's on that nine-match losing streak, which is unfortunate. Now, to be fair, a lot of those matches were against top players. He played United Cup. He had yep. some tough draws. But the tide is going against him right now. How can a guy like this turn it? And I know he's got the flashy style. He's an exciting player. But how does he start to kind of turn the momentum and get back on track here? Well, only only he knows how deep it is. But, I mean, obviously, you know, his one choice is, is and it's not easy just to drop down, to go and play challenges. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I always admired French players for is that they've always been willing to drop pretty quickly mm-hmm. to go and get the confidence in the challenger level to come back up. They don't spend too long losing. Uh, in a row because mm-hmm. they know in their psyche that, that that's a, such a big part of you being able to perform well on the main tour. Yeah. So as I say, I don't I don't know how deep he feels about it, but yeah. that's definitely a route open to him. It's kind of crazy when you look at the rankings that and I noticed this the last couple of years that some of the players ranked in the top 50 even, 
they don't really have a lot of a lot of signature wins, but no. they just consistently win two matches each week. You can look at their results, and that's what it kind of takes. So these first-round exits can be a huge backbreaker for your confidence as well. You you go and look at a lot of the players, and even, you know, I'm, I'm talking about just outside of the world's top 10, yeah. and most of the players will have a losing record between players ranked 11 to 20, you know, yeah. you know and they're good players. You know, even oh. the guys inside the top sort of 11 to 20 will have a losing record mm. against that kind of caliber of player. Mm. And and it, it's a, it is a hard world out there, and, and people don't realize how, how often these players are actually losing compared to how often they're winning. It's It's not easy. The Dallas uh, Open right now, where there's the indoor hard court as well here in the States. Uh, start with this. Wu Yi Bing. Yeah. Big win over Dennis Shabov. And I, and I like the way he plays, and I like the story. It's a guy that missed three years because of injury. Was just in the Cleveland Challenger final where he lost to Alex Kovacevic. Shout out to him. But that was an epic match. He gets to Dallas. He gets a signature win for him over Dennis Shapovalov. And China now with their second man inside the top 100. Yeah, I believe he's going to be the Chinese number one, isn't he, yeah. when the rankings come out on Monday. Um, he's also not just playing with confidence and everything else. The way that he plays is super important, and I think the way that he played against Dennis was very impressive. And I, I um, He's only going to go higher. He's top 50 for sure, uh, as long as his body stays healthy. Um, and, it, and it's great for tennis. It's great for tennis that China have a couple of, uh, you know, obviously a couple of great men at the moment, and there's more coming. Yeah, it was an impressive win. How he's played, I, I'm totally in agreement. It's been fun to watch, fun to see his development and him work back from all the injuries. It's a tough one for Shabavalov at the moment. He's 27th in the world, and that number seems to be falling. I, I don't know, and, and you can kind of speak to this if it's the what's style Dennis, that he Dennis plays. What's Dennis' game strategy? What, yeah, he what, goes what, for it. I mean, that's like I, I, I'll ask you, Mick. Yeah. What it, you know, you're doing yeah. the answering, but what? No, what, like what, it's, if you yeah. if you were to say like so, describe to me what Dennis's game style is. So I, I would what I want to get to is the fact that he plays the like he goes for the shot making. He plays the margins so high, and he sprays so many shots and big points. You know, and, and, and I don't want to get into mental because I don't know what players are going through and what's in their head, but he's plateaued for the moment, and that's very unfortunate. Yeah, and, and, and mental is also yeah. intertwined with str strategy and with yeah. technique, but Dennis's technique is great. Yeah. Um, the bottom line is I don't think he has a strategy consistently enough to get himself out of the pressurized moments that he's in mm. at the moment. When he's yeah. feeling it, He's unstoppable. Yeah. He's virtually unplayable. Yeah. And we saw that in Rome when he beat Rafa. We saw that with his run through to the semis of Wimbledon. But the bottom line is, as you said earlier in this interview, basically you've got to beat players when you're not feeling the ball particularly well. So his well. baseline game's not really there. It's yeah. too erratic. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just too up and down. And, mm -hmm. you know, why You know, why are you taking it line? Why are you mm -hmm. going three cross court? And, and I'm still sitting here um, saying, well, what's his, what's his game style? And yeah. I honestly couldn't answer that question. Yeah, I, it, it's un, you know, I just say unfortunate because there was a lot of high hopes for him, and deservedly so, based on you know what he did 2019, making yeah. the runs at the majors, U.S. Open, and Wimbledon. The Wimbledon match against Djokovic was, a, I think, it was a straight sets loss, but every set was close. You know, it was. Didn't he have set point in the first? Yeah, set with a, big, yeah. a relatively easy forehand yeah. that he blew long. Yeah. Um, Listen, Dennis is going to get back to the, you know, he's going to get back to the top of the tree. You mm -hmm. don't hit a tennis ball and move like Dennis does mm -hmm. without getting back there. He's going through some rough times right now, but I do think this is a great period for him to kind of understand that, you know, as much as you want to play this kind of instinctive tennis mm -hmm. and, and see ball, hit ball, see a shot, think it's on, you need to you need to kind of figure out a way to find some discipline within that rally. It's not discipline off the court, discipline between the lines is yeah. going to help him massively. 
Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it because by all accounts, he's very focused yes. in, in his craft. It's not like a, a lack of not trying. So. 100%. Yeah, there's still optimism. And again, it's hard to believe he's as young as he yes. is. I think 23 still. So he, He's going to make some big runs at tournaments. I, I, I 100% believe that. The rest of the Dallas field, uh, we're still waiting tonight. It's funny uh, how it works when you're the top seed. Life's good. Fritz hasn't even played his first <laughs> match yet. <laughs> so uh, he gets Jack Sock. Tiafa looked pretty good in a quick win over Mackie McDonald. So the top two Americans still in this tournament trying to make waves. What would you like to see from these guys? Fritz, you know, coming off of, you know, disappointing exit. Same with Tiafo in Australia. How can they kind of get ready for this summer, you know, the spring hardcourt swing? Listen, it's it's the nature of the beast, you know, and also for both Francis and, and Taylor right now, you know, it's a very different kind of scenario. They were kind of trying to break through. They've broken mm -hmm. through, you know, semis of US mm -hmm. Open for Francis. Obviously, the pressure was ongoing into that. Um, I, I, and to be honest, Mitch, I don't know if you saw much of the Popper and match with Taylor, but yeah. I mean, Alexei uh -huh. played great. I he mean, did. he yeah. served huge. He bounced back from, you know, having match point in the fourth. Uh, 70 odd winners um, sometimes guys get hot and when they're as good as Alexei is you know it was tough for Taylor that was John Kane right was that where they yeah. play I mean that's yeah. got to be the one of the worst home field advantages to go up against is an Australian and John Kane for sure you know so yeah. I yeah. you know it's it's one of those little blips that, that, that you're gonna have at times the thing is with Francis too I mean he's somebody that's had that that's been the knock on him is he could dip for a couple minutes and that's the difference at this level which maybe you could say happened in Australia against Hatchinoff, who made the semis, but you know he, he's cutting that out. I think the progress has been slower and steady for him, but you saw against Makiyoff, it's not a good, clean match. Some would even maybe say boring, but that's what you need at this level sometimes. Yeah, it's never boring watching <laughs> Francis play tennis. No, you know, no. he's, he's one of my favorites. I was actually calling the match in Australia as well. Five set points, of course, 6-1 six, one, six, one up in the breaker mm. in the fourth. And I don't know if there's another sport, and I mean, whoever's listening to this can tell me um, if there's another sport that has the wild momentum swings that a tennis match has um, between potentially winning and losing at times. It feels insane. I mean, when he was playing towards the back end of that four set, um, there was nothing in my mind that thought we won't be in a fifth. And before we knew it, suddenly... They were shaking hands. They yeah. were shaking hands. It yeah. was incredible to watch because he was playing so well. He was dominating. He was yeah. on fire. He's got the crowd into it. And all of a sudden, the match was over. And, you know... This is another tough month, too, because Hatchinoff is such a fighter out yeah. there. He grinds. Like, I mean, we saw it against Tsitsipas. That should have been a three-set match, straight sets. And then little opening, keeps yep. balls in play. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've grown to appreciate Tiafo's ability to bounce back over the years. I mean, the Australian run years ago was kind of the first taste of success and took him a while to adjust. But same with Fritz. I mean, Fritz loses U.S. Open first round yep. to Brandon Holt, yep. goes and wins the tournament in Japan. So, I mean, maybe these guys know how to turn the page. And I still think the pressure of the depth of the American pool, like that's pushing him forward too. 100%. You know, these guys are going to obviously have a few little losses but they're going to look at the people around them that have suddenly have a great week and that's going to inspire them even more and and that that's probably going to be more important than the wins that they have it's going to mm -hmm. be when they have the losses it's going to be the inspiration that they draw from each other when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply a few more things with Mark Petchy here on Tennis Channel Inside In. 
Uh, I want to get just a, a quick thought on where we are, your opinion, having lived it with the Davis Cup. We might be ready for a revival. You think yep. it's time to get back to home ties and, you know, the the atmospheres that we were accustomed to? Listen, if the Davis Cup's going to exist, um, and I think there's a big argument to say that maybe it's time to pull up sticks on it mm. um, and actually say it was an amazing competition, um, but it's run its course, and I think that is worthy of a discussion. But if it's going to stay um, as a competition... In, and we're going to go back to home and away, which are clearly the best environment for it. It's sold in the best way. It looks the best. It mm-hmm. feels the best. How we, as a sport, and I'm talking about the Grand Slams, I'm talking about the Tours, I'm talking about the ITF, how they financially allow that to happen for the federations that don't have money is mm-hmm. going to be the big thing. Yeah. Because... When you look at some of the photos from the weekend of the Davis Cup, and they're brilliant with the full stands and everything else, but the bottom line is some of the teams that have been got, have gone, they've got 20 people in it. It's mm-hmm. like there's just countries that simply cannot afford to yeah. send teams away yeah. to that degree mm-hmm. and put one-off stadiums in. Those are the, those are yeah. the, those are the things that we've got to solve for the good of the Davis Cup. No, I mean, I agree. You have to invest in it. You have to prioritize it. That's going to make top players want to buy it. shouldn't well. want to make money. Yeah, that's my go- mm-hmm. That's my stance yeah. on Davis Cup. Yeah. Davis Cup is a is a shop window for tennis, yeah. not for all for for Australia, for the French, for Wimbledon, for the U.S. Open, for the ITF, for us as fans. Yeah. Davis Cup should be basically if it even if it loses money and it's not yeah. much, it should be okay because it us. looks yeah. Yeah. amazing. Yeah. But if you want to make it a cash cow. It is not going to work. So it's more of like a, more of like a marketing tool for how good tennis is versus one hundred percent. One hundred percent. You got to stop thinking you're going to make millions out of it. It's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's just so hard to fit events in the tennis season, which is I totally understand. It's the longest it, it, season. It's there uniqueness. Is. We need we need yeah. different things. I'm a big advocate for the two fifties. Should have different rules. Yeah, we should change things up. Yeah, you know, there's so many different things that we could bring into tennis at mm-hmm. the two fifty level on the tour that would make me tune in to go. Why is it? Oh, the doubles. They're not sitting down. They move the net onto <laughs> no the ad scoring. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could go through a million of them <laughs> with you today. Yeah. But the bottom line is, when it comes to the Davis Cup, it needs to be seen not as a money making venture. It needs to be seen as something that is a is fantastic fantastic for tennis and it sells itself through that but not because of the bottom line do you think the players would be receptive to maybe beyond the davis cup the idea that you just said changes in certain different yeah things. i think yeah. i think players i think players will be up for changes as long as you know i mean it was pretty brutal for the british team to have to go from australia to bogota to altitude on the clay mm-hmm. you know cam norrie's changed an entire schedule because he's obviously played at bogota yeah. whereas obviously he had a great run last year in terms of delray acapulco um and he, now he's playing on clay it, I, I think everyone is looking for a sensible kind of solution to this yeah but as I say, you've got to get away from thinking that the Davis Cup is a cash cow and 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 just somehow utilize the strengths that it has mm-hmm. for the betterment of tennis rather than for the betterment of somebody's pocket. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. I want to see more exciting uh, events and atmospheres and some different rules wouldn't hurt either. So it, it could be a great, great opportunity. Uh, last thing I wanted to say, and this is kind of the bigger picture in terms of what we have to look forward to. Especially on the women's side, they've been hit with the injury bug recently. Doha, a yep. bunch of players have pulled out. You have Anshibor with the surgery issue. Andrescu's out. Muguruza out with personal reasons. Bedosa's injured. Not sure there. Kontavit got hurt. There's a lot of pressure, 
even the healthy players in Ega's case to kind of follow up what they did last year. And the worst thing that could happen would be not being able to play this tennis. So, you know, the injury bug, unfortunately, already in, in such a grueling sport in a long season, already rearing its ugly head. Yeah, and I think, again, when you look at it, you know, it's very busy at the start of the season. You know, you come out of preseason, you've got United Cup, you've got pressure going into mm -hmm. Australia. You've got a couple of huge events, as you've just highlighted there, or in fact, three mm -hmm. huge events now with obviously Abu Dhabi, Doha, Dubai. There needs to be better spacing. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not rocket science, Mitch. I'm not saying you're telling somebody, you know, it, it <laughs> needs to be better spaced, yeah. you know. And then obviously for some of the players on the WTA in particular, you can only play like two 250s or you can play a third one if you hit all your mandatory events. Yeah. So when you're coming back off an injury, you've then got to go into these big events, which are just absolutely locked and loaded with players. You lose your confidence, you're stressed because mm -hmm. you've got to go and play that event. Maybe you, if you could come back and play a couple yeah. more 250s in the year, it would help as well. And there's no, like, and this is probably a dumb question, but Doha's field is insane every yeah. year. They can't expand the tournament. They just have to, like, who, like I think Rabakina was basically on the qualifying yeah. bubble. Yeah. No, I mean, the, when you look at the 500s yeah. on the women's tour, I mean, it is nuts. Nuts, I yeah. mean, they are just, you know, they're like quarters of majors, you know, right yeah. there every single round. Yeah. And it's and it makes it incredibly difficult for these players yeah. to, you know, to pick up to pick up wins. But as I yeah. say, coming back from in, an injury, yeah. it makes it incredibly difficult. Um, I, 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 as I say, I think that there is a lot of pressure early on in the season. I would like to see some better spacing from 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 those tournaments because it's an awful lot to ask all those players to go back to back against the quality yeah. fields that they are and even if you're not injured just defending points from last year yeah it could be an anxiety driven thing where you know that you have to do well at these events without a lot of rest and, and go back to it absolutely because then your rankings fallen off and then you, you're suddenly not back in these tournaments and you're in qualities and you're maybe not even getting in qualities mm. the way that the wta is right now i know it's it's, <laughs> it's jarring to even say that out loud well Next week, we do have this to look forward to, the return of Alcaraz yes. on the clay in Buenos Aires. What should we expect from Carlitos, the <laughs> former number one player in the world, lost his ranking to Djokovic, but back again. Listen, I mean, everyone everyone loves Carlos um, and can't wait to see him back on court. Again, I think you just got to give him a bit of time. I mean, I don't know. He, he's he's going to come back fully fit. We know that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when, you, when you've been away from the competitive arena as long as he has, it, it may not be that easy, but... Listen, uh, the sport's better with Carlos in it, and I, if he have to keep taking breaks for a few injuries, so be it. 19 years old, so I would think that he can just yep. jump right back in any surface fine. We, we want to see kind of, obviously, he's going to be fully fit. If he has any rust, if he's able to shake that off, and you know where he is, I mean, he's not to be forgotten about. As great as Djokovic is, is and haven't seen much like what he did in Australia, but... Carlos coming back to maybe give us some rivalry opportunities could yeah. be special. Yeah, it could be very special. Um, and I think it's going to be something that's going to inspire Novak as well. You know, the fact that he's going to get the opportunity to, to play against somebody that was coming through. Roger mm -hmm. talked a lot about it through the latter part of his career where he said, every time I saw somebody <laughs> new come through, I was like excited. I was mm -hmm. like, I wanted to get out there and play against them to feel what their tennis was like. And I'm sure Novak feels the same way. And I'm sure he's not fearing anyone the way that he's playing. Well, that's just what he he needs right motivation inspiration i was saying like novak doesn't seem very inspired it's i mean it's it's crazy i i, I guess we can wrap with this do you have a cap number that you're thinking Djokovic might get to major wise i think looking at the way that novak's been playing it's probably going to sit around 27 28 
that, I, yeah, that's I, just such a high number. Like just because he looks so fresh. I mean, like yeah. he just looks. He, he hit the ball bigger than I've ever seen him hit it down in Australia. I mean, the the thing is as well, Mitch. We have to say they have kind of changed our perspective so much. These you know the big four from what we thought was possible that i'm just sort of saying oh another five uh, you know at his age it seems absolutely crazy to think that but yeah. they've normalized sporting immortality um uh, you know i want to say two more but i just think he's so unique that there's probably another five in the bag for him potentially yeah this is rarefied air these are questions that we're not going to have for pretty much anybody else no so it's fair to go big for these guys because you can't i mean you can't write them off like if he gets past 25 in the same way that rafa's record of 14 roland garrises will never get beaten i i don't I, I find it hard to believe that anyone's yeah. going to beat 25 if, if Novak gets yeah. past there. I mean, even like Alcaraz could have a Hall of Fame career, could win 12 majors, and that'd be amazing. That'd put him at like four, fifth or sixth all time, you know, whatever, and it's still yeah. just I mean, insane. Dean Sanford said 14. We're like, what a huge number. It's and, never going to get beaten. And, and, <laughs> and I, I do think, though, if, yeah. he gets past, if he gets past 25, I, I mean, I'm quite happy to... To, to stake a fair bit of money on the fact that that will never get beaten. Insane. Well, Mark Petchy, always a blast talking tennis with you, having you here in the States. Uh, we'll try not to upset too many people online, but no <laughs> promises there. But thanks for coming on, and uh, good luck with all the matches and all the thanks. tennis you got coming here for in the next few weeks. It's always a pleasure to come on here with you. Thanks. That was Mark Petchy on Tennis Channel Inside In. If you like the podcast, we're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com slash podcast for the entire catalog of episodes. We're on all your platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. We'll be back next week, another episode. Check us out. For Mark Petchy, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.